From the studios of Teeing Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing Up with Jeremy Schilling. Um, and we're joined by Danny Flecka on this super wildcard weekend presented by Verizon. No, Verizon's not paying me, but if they would like to, go right ahead. Um, hello, Danny. Hey, man, how's it going? I am fine. How are you, sir? I can't complain. Um, you told me off air that you wanted to say something about your beloved New York Giants, so go right ahead. Yeah, it's been a weird week for them. Um, you know, usually a team that's in their position um, carries some drama heading into the off season, whether that's you know firing your coach or you know some staff shakeup or roster shakeup. A little too early for the roster shakeup, but there was some drama with the coaching staff. Um, you know, multiple reports throughout the week varying opinions on what was going down and uh, you know, I'll ask you, you know, what did you think of what was happening? Um, obviously it's on the heels of that, that Jake Glazer report back in November, but what, you know, as an outsider, you know, how did you take it? I took it that there was, uh, that not all the defensive coaching um, was, you know, not everybody was on the same page, and Wink Markendale said, I want out of here, I want no part of this. Yeah, so I, I took it after reading and figuring and stuff out a little bit. Um, you know, I think Dayball played it as well as he could have when the reports came out. Um, obviously, he needs to keep the locker room together. He needs yep. to show, show support uh, for his staff that he has on hand. And, you know, he was doing all he could to get this team to buy into what his mission still is, despite it being a season that kind of went off the rails early on. Um, I think once that Jake Laser report came out, it was toast for Martindale and his staff. And I think at the conclusion of the season, and I bet with conversations with, with Joe Shane, they were always like, listen, we have individuals here who are not on board with what it is that we're looking to do. I think I know who they are. My move is to get rid of them. If Wink wants to stay on after that, then so be it. If not, then we know where, it, where his head's at. And I think that's why the firings of those two individuals came before the resignation or mutual parting of ways, whatever you want to call it, of, of Wink. Consciously Martin. uncoupling, in the words of Chris Martin. Yeah, I, I think that the leaks came from those two people through Martindale, and if it goes for his guys and he was going to go down with that ship, you know, there he was going to find out, that his day was going to find out after he let them go. The more I read about it, the more I, I see what had transpired. I have, you know, at the beginning, I was more on the side of Wink, um, and now I'm more on the side of Dayball. Um, at the end, it sounded like, you know, I was reading an article by one of the Giants beat writers that, you know, the team was sort of operating very similar to um, the Eagles, not the Eagles, like the, the Bears in the, the mid-80s. Obviously not the talent that the team had, but very Buddy Ryan, Mike Ditka-esque, um, where it was, the defense was run by Martindale and that abrasive relationship with Dayball was existing, but, you know, they did their best to, like, just put on the face for the kids, right? Yeah. Um, at the end, Dayball figured out, you know, I, I can't have this. I'm the head coach. 
I'm the one that needs to be the one calling the shots, and you need to be swimming in the same direction as me. Um, otherwise, you need to make changes. Um, and I think that they could have made changes if not for that report from Jay Glazer early on, um, earlier in the season. So I think it was probably the best thing for them. Um, I also saw a report yesterday that certain players, despite you know the, the, the rhetoric that he's a player's coach and, and everything, some players, some pending free agents, were not going to want to resign with the Giants if he was still the coach. Um, and that partly could be due by the way that they were being utilized. Um, you know, a lot of times we see, um, you know, these talking heads talking about some of the players on these teams. You know, for example, you know, the fan goes after Kayvon Thibodeau relentlessly for him not reaching his potential. I was watching the game on Sunday. I was, he was, there were some plays where he was 10 to 15 yards in coverage. That's not his role. And that's the way he was being utilized. So I think what they're going to do is find a defensive coordinator that lines up more with the personnel that they have. Um, and I think their defense worked for what it was meant to do the last two seasons. But I do think now, as long as you have that core of players intact, you need to find a defensive coordinator that can mold the defensive players that they have to reach their potential because a lot of these players are also coming into pivotal years for them. Um, especially a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau, who you've invested a lot of resources into with the high draft pick. He's entering his third season, and he's not talked about as one of the top you know, edge rushers in the league, but that potential is there when he has that opportunity and when he's tasked to do that. So I expect them to move in a direction that maybe is a little bit more in line with Dayball's previous history, whether that's a guy like Leslie Frazier or whomever. I think we're going to see more of a traditional type of defensive system in place um, and then build around that. But, you know, it was kind of a ridiculous story to come out of a team that didn't really do much this season. But uh, I think that the fear of Giants fans is him potentially going to an NFC East team um, to coach their defense and, you know, face them twice a year. And that's a possibility. And that's something you have to deal with. Uh, you know, I'd rather go against a guy that was causing problems than keep a guy on my staff that's causing the problems because then it's my job, too, that's on the line. Um, so I think that's the direction the Giants went in, and I'm not, I'm not disappointed now looking back at it as the week has unfolded, but it does put this team in a situation where they got to make a home run higher for this coordinator spot because it is a very pivotal season for Joe Shane and for Brian Dayball entering their third year. Who's your quarterback? It's Daniel Jones. Um, I think they're going to look at you know some way to, to revamp their quarterback room, and you know I would not be opposed at all to keeping Tyrod Taylor. I think he played exceptionally well for them um, when he was in there this year. They looked like a different team. I'm not going to compare the two. I think that throwing out those stats like well Daniel Jones was one and five, he did this, he did that again. They, they were two different teams that were functioning in two different types of ways, okay? Daniel Jones did not have Andrew Thomas at all when he was playing. He did not have Justin Pugh when he was playing. Evan Neal was a turnstile when he was playing. It was a very different type of team when he was playing, and, and that's just the crux of it, right? He didn't play the easier teams either on the schedule. Um, you know, all the teams that he played against 
where for playoff teams, as we looked at it, you know, as the season ended, you know, he played against the Cowboys, 49ers, you know, Seahawks were on a playoff team. Um, but they were, you know, up there fighting for a playoff spot and the Dolphins. And then he came back against the Raiders and that, you know, unfortunately hurt. But all the, the backups played against the Commander Spice, the Lowly Jets, you know, the Patriots, the Packers when they were still trying to figure things out. You know, so I'm not going to treat Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor as the same as if they were in the same situation here. But he is their quarterback, in my opinion, heading into the season, for better or for worse. I think they keep on Taylor. I think that maybe they draft somebody in the later rounds uh, to complement you know, what it is they have in their quarterback room. How aggressive they are in the draft, we'll see, right? They, they could say, you know, screw it. Let's go all in and, and, and go up and try to get Caleb Williams or Drake May. If it were me, again, we'll talk about the draft as it gets closer. I am not high on any of the quarterbacks coming out this year, despite what people are saying about them. You know, I've watched enough college football to come away saying, like, you know, I don't think any of these quarterbacks, let's just put it this way, I don't think any of these quarterbacks would be taken before C.J. Stroud. Um, and I would rather have a guy like C.J. Stroud on my team uh, than Caleb Williams or Drake May. So, yeah, I, I think the Giants are going to stand pat at where they are in the draft, look to retool their roster a little bit. Um, they should be somewhere around $50 million in cap space if there's some cuts um, here as, this, as the offseason progresses. Really get more depth within the team. Um, the last thing I would I want to see from them is go all in on a rookie QB with a coach that potentially is fighting for his job. Because then you're just going to reset everything all over again, right? So I think they're going to stand pat at six, maybe look to draft a, a top-tier offensive lineman, defensive player, or wide receiver, and then use free agency to, to supplement their roster, create more depth and use that draft class that they have upcoming to really solidify the vision and plan that they have in place. So this will be now the third draft that this team, that this regime will have. So this is now when we have to start seeing those, those you know, investments pay dividends. So that, that's what I would do if I were them. Um, we've already seen them make a key hire on the offensive line with the new offensive line uh, coach who seems to be well-respected throughout the industry. Uh, now they need to make that higher on the special teams and defensive side of the ball. So start there, find out who you're keeping and not keeping this year, build that depth, use a, use a draft to supplement your roster, and hope that you can eliminate some of these, these injuries and the lack of development that you've seen the last couple of years. Hopefully you start to see that pay a little bit. Um, yeah, so I, I'm sorry, you start to see that moving forward a little bit as we enter the third year of this uh regime with Dayball and Shane. That's what I was going to get at, which is if you're going to have to retool the entire defensive coaching staff, the last thing I think you want to be doing is drafting a rookie QB and having to... I don't think they're going to retool their entire defensive staff. I, I think that their defensive line coach is not going anywhere. Um, I, I think it's going to be... Again, I, I, if I had to handicap this, the... The candidates for the job, I think Leslie Frazier is probably the top guy. Right now, I know he's being interviewed for some of the um, head coaching positions that are open. I don't think he's going to get that. I, I think those are, you know, this is unfortunately Rooney rule season. 
Um, I think he's kind of fitting some of that. But I do expect them, I do expect Dave Wall to go towards somebody that he's had a previous relationship with or comes from the same tree that he's been part of just so he has that familiarity and knows that he can trust that individual to lead that side of the ball while he focuses on the offensive side of the ball. Danny Fleckowitz here on King It Up. Uh, let's move on to the playoff teams and let's start off with the first game of Saturday, which is Cleveland and Houston. Uh, Joe Flacco. God, Joe Flacco. Uh, this is a former Jet quarterback. I, I just laugh. Versus versus C.J. Stroud, who I think the Texans win this game. I think uh, uh, D'Amico Ryans gets his first win. I've been so impressed by him throughout this entire run. Give me Houston. Yeah, I'm on the other side of this game. Um, partly because of Houston's lack of depth currently on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think they match up well with Cleveland. Um, yeah, these teams played a couple weeks ago. They were different teams. You know, no C.J. Stroud. Um, the opening line of that game against Case Keenum was three and a half, and it's only two now in favor of Cleveland. So even with C.J. Stroud, the market in Vegas gives – Cleveland the edge on the road. So if this was on a neutral field, you'd be looking at Cleveland almost a touchdown favorite against Houston. I look at how Houston was attacked last week by Indianapolis. They went after them on the ground. And they had a lot of success, success doing that. I expect Cleveland to take a very similar approach. You know, they've been very pass-heavy with Joe Flacco, uh, but this game is going to be, I think, very much won on the offensive and defensive lines, and that's where I think Cleveland has the obvious edge, you know, with the guy like Miles Garrett and um, Zadarius White on the Cleveland defensive line against that Houston offensive line, which is still a little bit shaky, um, I expect them to, to pressure C.J. Stroud and the limitations of the Houston offense with the lack of pass catches that they currently have, is why I'm leaning Cleveland. If, if, if Houston was completely healthy and had their full complement of you know wide receivers available to them, I, I would lean Houston because I think that that would be explosive enough to keep Cleveland on its heels. But we saw last week, you know, we needed some heroic throws by C.J. Stroud to pull out that game. Their special teams is a little shaky. Um, you know, we had a missed field goal in that game or extra point. I can't remember which one. Um, I, I think Cleveland just has more toughness right now than Houston does. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a very hard, hard fought game. But I just think that some of the experience that Cleveland is going to show up with from a personnel standpoint is going to outweigh the ceiling that we're going to see with C.J. Stroud because I do think that they're going to be able to scheme up some things defensively to confuse him and really focus on you know forcing him to get rid of the ball a lot quicker than he wants to. Uh, Miami, Kansas City, uh, Saturday night exclusively on Peacock. Um, if this game was on a neutral site, uh, sorry, if, if, if this game was inside or in Miami, this game would be won by the Dolphins. 
but because it is in Kansas City, I believe the Chiefs win this game. They are a flawed team, an extremely flawed team. And yes, the Dolphins do have some injury issues. I think this there's a time that a run ends. It may be next week for KC, but right now, uh, if you give me negative whatever wind chill, that's going to beat the Dolphins every single day. So uh, give me Kansas City uh, Saturday night. I mean, you you have it uh, at least the same way I have it. Um, Miami is hurt in all the key spots that give them the disadvantage. Their offensive line and their defensive line. You need the defensive line to force Mahomes to some mistakes. They're out their top three guys. They're signing guys off of practice squads to play for them. They're also out one of their top cornerbacks. So defensively, they're going to be really, I think, very conservative. I don't think that they're going to be in a position to be aggressive because that's going to really open up, you know, I think, some holes for them on that side. And then you flip it over, Miami is very reliant on speed and timing, and this weather is going to throw that off. I, I don't. I don't care what anybody says about the, the, the skill players they have. When it is negative, you know, five degrees wind for players that live in Miami and train in Miami, you know, it's going to be different. And Tua doesn't have the greatest, you know, success in this type of situation or in this type of spot. So you got to lean on the side of the team that has this experience that's maybe had a moment here to reset. I don't expect them to, to go out and score 30 points and look like the Chiefs of old, but I just think the spot is one of the worst spots that we have this weekend for a team um, that is going up against uh, a, a Chiefs team that you know kind of lives for this type of situation. So, you know, I, I don't trust Kansas City long-term in the playoffs, but I do think this spot is a spot for them to, to you know, be successful in. And, you know, Miami just got a bad draw here with the way their season ended and the way things have, have unfolded for them. You know, it's just unfortunate, you know, with the type of season that they were having early on, but this is why you play all the games, right? You know, for this opportunity to play this type of game at home, unfortunately they have to go on the road and, you know, the weather this week all over the country has just been an absolute, you know, shit show. So, uh, you know, they're just kind of going into the, the jaws of, of that right now, and I just think Kansas City is just used to it, and they're going to be able to, to, you know, win this game. Uh, uh, Danny Flecker with us, as always, on Teeing It Up. Let's uh, move to uh, Buffalo, Pittsburgh. Speaking of draws, I think this is the perfect draw for Buffalo. Uh, 42 to nothing, they, they beat the uh, Steelers. I mean... This is another game dictated by the weather, though. Um, it's going to be tough, I think, to get that many points. So maybe I don't have a lot of points. So, so twenty-four nothing. Whatever it is, I don't see Pitts. I, I just don't see it with with the uh, Steelers. I'm sorry, I don't see it. Uh, I've been with you. I haven't seen it with them. I, I've been dating them the last three weeks, and it kind of made me look stupid. Uh, you know, pulling off victories in Seattle against Cincinnati, and then last week in Baltimore. But Despite how the Bills have looked the last couple of weeks, this type of game here for Pittsburgh needs to be absolutely perfect. And with the quarterback play that they have, I know Rudolph has looked better than what they've had all year. But you're asking a guy to go up into Buffalo with you know wind gusting at 35 miles an hour, 
snow coming down and relentless, you know, relentless defensive pressure that's probably going to be thrown at him. I just, you know, I don't see it with them either. Buffalo's a little banged up too, but I think unlike Miami, their injuries don't affect this matchup because of the way the Steelers play. They're going to want to run the ball. They're going to want to do quick passes and the type of way that they're going to have. I think that plays into Buffalo's hands. On the other side of the ball, um, you know, Buffalo has, in, has improved in their run game. Steelers are without T.J. Watt. You know, Allen has a strong enough arm to utilize the pass game a little bit more than I think Pittsburgh will be able to. So I, I don't see why you know Buffalo doesn't win this game. It could be close because of the weather and the sloppiness of what potentially could be occurring, but Buffalo is in a better spot right now than, than the Steelers are. Let's skip Cowboys, Packers for a second. Sunday night, Rams, Dolphins, um, sorry, Lions, uh, Rams, Lions. Let's get that right. Rams, Lions. For me, if if Matt Stafford, this is a coin flip game for me. I don't know how to read Sunday night in the sense of the Rams have kind of come on late. They're not. They're, they will lose in the next round if they make it in the next round. In, in my belief, I'm not sold on 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 Detroit. And wasn't sold on Detroit on Thanksgiving or any other day. But they, but they played some good football down the stretch. So I'm not quite sure where to lead here. Um, so I'm gonna bow out of this Sunday night game. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not really confident in either team in this game. I, I think the Rams are going to be a very popular pick. Um, you know, just given the way they've been playing, uh, the, the narrative of this game, I too, I think too, will be driving some things. Yeah, a lot of reunions. Lot so of, I think, I think in this yeah. game, to me, it's. You know, I, I think both teams are going to be able to pass the ball on each other. Um, both teams have very dynamic passing, passing games, very creative passing games. I think it's going to be really hard for them to um, stop one another in that aspect. Where I think this game is won is in the rushing game. You know both teams want to run the ball, uh, especially Detroit. Which team can control the clock with their run game? Um, Detroit has a more explosive run game than the Rams do. Um, so it's really going to come down to me for the, you know, which team can run the ball more effectively and more consistently and then open up even bigger shot plays for them with their passing game. I think it's Detroit in that sense. You know, I, I think that they they know what this game means. They understand what they fought for here. I, you know, I don't trust their coaching necessarily in big-time games, um, you know, because the Dallas game showed – but there could be a bit of a, reluct- a reluctancy to play the situation rather than what your gut is telling you. Uh, but I do think with the offensive line, that dynamic run game, Gibbs has been absolutely phenomenal for them over the last couple of weeks. He's super explosive. I think that that's where Detroit has a bit of an edge. The Rams' defense is, is nothing really to write home about. So if Detroit can control the line of scrimmage, push them around a bit, give Goff, you know, cleaner pockets off of play action. I think Detroit can control this game a little bit. And you got to hope if you're Detroit, some of your dynamic players on defense like Aiden Hutchinson and Deion Branch, um, I'm sorry, Brian Branch, can make some big plays for you when, when it's absolutely necessary. We, 
And another thing, too, that people probably aren't talking a lot about in this team is the Rams special teams is not that great. Um, you know, we've seen them give up long returns in the kicking game, especially in punts, you know, punt returns. You know, could that play a factor in this game? You know, one big punt return or kick return to set up good field position for Detroit when they need it. You know, that, that's something that's going to come into play here. I do expect it to be a, a bit of a high-scoring game, but I do think Detroit can control the game a little bit more on the line of scrimmage offensively and maybe limit the Rams' opportunity to get back into the game as they kind of, you know, bleed out the clock on certain drives. This is why Danny's on the show. He watches a lot more football and knows a lot more football than I do. Um, my read on Philly recently is what the, what the, what the... I don't think they'll lose this week, but I don't think they're going very far in the playoffs either. Yeah, I, yeah not to beat a dead horse here, but I've been on... I've been right about the yeah. Eagles team for, I think, like six or seven weeks now. Yeah. And, you know, this week is going to be a, it's a weird week for them. You know, Hurts got hurt last week. A.J. Brown has not been practicing. I was checking the practice reports today. Uh, he didn't practice today. Apparently, Jalen Hurts wasn't throwing the ball in the, in the media sessions uh, today. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know how offensively they can move the ball if they're not humming, right? And they haven't been humming for a while. Is this a game where you run the ball, you know, 40 times and hope that you're able to spring a couple of big runs and then use, uh, you know, short dynamic passes to create some, you know, yards after the catch? I, I think that's how they have to approach it. Then you look on the other side of the ball. Tampa Bay's not, they're not good either. This, this, <laughs> this game are just two bad teams that just happen to be in, in, in the right spot, you know, for what it is that their schedule presented them. Um, you know, the Eagles are going to start off 10-1. and one. They may not even be in the playoffs. Um, so I have to lean Philly here, just given I'm going to go with the better set of players. I, I'm hoping that the talent wins out here because Philadelphia does have a very talented roster. They just haven't played that way. But, I mean, this game could go... Anyway, you know, the way that Philadelphia defense has looked, you know, can Baker Mayfield look like he did against Green Bay a couple weeks ago? You know, that, that very likely could happen. So we'll see. I, I you know, it, it kind of sucks this game is on Monday night. I kind of wish they moved a different game here. But I think this game is going to be a dogfight. It's going to be two very sloppy teams that have come into this stretch run with no real identity, I think, either. Uh, you know, I can't point to either side of the ball for either of these teams and say, okay, well, they're playing better here. I just think that this is going to be one of those games that there's going to be a big mistake, and that big mistake is going to lead to the win for that team. Speaking of mistakes, Green Bay can have be playing with no mistakes. They can play free right now. They've got in. They're a year or two ahead of schedule. Everybody expects championships from the Cowboys. They can play free on Sunday. Yeah, and this game is getting a lot of hype. Um, it's a traditional matchup, right? Green Bay versus Dallas yeah. in the playoffs. You know, we've seen this in our lifetime a ton. And but those were with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, you know, on the Green Bay side. Now you have Jordan Love coming in here. I I would like Green Bay against any other NFC team this week. This is the one game where I'm just like. I don't know if I trust that defense. 
to stop Dallas consistently enough to pull off the upset here. You know, if you're not able to stop Dallas, if you're Green Bay, you have to score in the high 20s, low 30s. With that pass rush at home, that's going to be tough to do. So if Green Bay can make a couple of stops, they're going to be in this game because I do think offensively they're they're very dynamic, and I think they're I think you know Matt Lafleur doesn't get enough credit for the type of coaching that he does up there. He he's kind of made Green Bay over as the season has gone along. You know they were out Aaron Jones for a ton of the season. They were going through some growing pains with Jordan Love at various points as well. Their wide receiving core has been banged up all year, and they, they continued to be able to find different ways to win games. And offensively, they've been so creative, I think, with the way they've approached the games that I do think that they have enough experience at least heading into this game they can trust you know, a number of different individuals to step up for them. But I, I don't know if I see them making any stops on defense, and that's where they're going to have to win this game is making a couple of stops and forcing Dallas into some either, you know, field goal situations or, you know, three and outs. And, and I think that's where Dallas maybe has a leg up on them. It's just a bad, I think, bad matchup for the Packers for the longevity of the game. I do think that they're going to be able to put up some points here, but you're asking a lot to go on the road and score 28 to 35 points against a, against a team that's averaging about 38 points per game at home. So it's, it's going to be tough for Green Bay, I think, to pull off the upset. I wouldn't be surprised if they do, uh, because we've seen Dallas in this spot so many times before uh, with Dak Prescott and you know Mike McCarthy doesn't necessarily have the best track record in the playoffs. Uh, but the Green Bay defense is, is just has been too vulnerable for me to take for them to pull off the upset here. And that is... Super Wild Card Weekend presented by Verizon. It's a lot. <laughs> A.K.A. that Monday game. Two bad teams that make it in. But that's what happens when you expand the playoffs. And get only one bye. Danny Flecka, thank you as always for coming on to uh, take a look at the landscape of the National Football League. We are in the playoffs. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting weekend. I think the weather is going to be very intriguing, you know, in the Kansas City-Buffalo game, and then the rest of the games are, in, in, I think, you know, controlled environments. Yes. I don't know what the weather will be like in Tampa Bay on Monday. I don't know, the storms have been moving all over the country, but, you know, those two games, you know, you have two of the front runners in the AFC, and those the weather at times can neutralize your skill advantage is the mistakes that could be made. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens there. Monday in uh, Tampa. Thunderstorms followed by a period of rain early. But there you go. And another game that has weather issues. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those weeks. We're in a, we're in a cycle. Yes, we are. We, we are definitely in a cycle. Danny Flecker, thank you as always for joining us and taking it up. No problem, man. Have a good one. Thank you, and thank you, everybody out there.